You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Ryan's here with me. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 Oh, man. This year's almost over. This is, uh, we have, a, I think, not many shows left of this year, but uh, then it's the, the year that's supposed to be better. 2021 it's got to be better it has to be yeah it'll right? take a little time but not much not as much time it's just good to know you know when you're sitting here it's like you're in limbo you're just like uh these last eight months or whatever and you're like oh so when is it when are we gonna be? you don't know nothing you have no idea when this is gonna end no. and now with the vaccine you're like oh okay so this is the beginning of you know the uh yeah it's starting to feel lighter. the beginning of the end yeah you know that's good Hey, thanks for uh, listening out there. I say it all the time, but I really appreciate it. Uh, and listen, if you uh, you could do us a big favor, it does the pot a favor. Go drop a, a rating uh, or, and a review for us over at Apple Podcasts. I'm sure many of you have. But if you haven't, it helps significantly. There's some kind of algorithm that they use. Um, if you're listening there or have the app, um, Stop what you're doing and go support the show on, you know, YouTube. It takes a couple of seconds. It really helps everything we're doing here. So, you know, you, you just write a review, do a rating and um, spread the word as always. You know, um, there's so many podcasts and things out there. So if you're enjoying this, we want to keep doing it. We love doing it and uh, it helps. And we're trying to grow an audience here. So if you're digging it and uh, big thanks to Nathan Fillion from last week. Great episode. Good editing job. He was he was fun. Good stash. He had a great stash. Good stash. Good yeah. High def stash. High def stash. Yeah. He had really good camera and uh, he, yeah, he had it all worked. The out. lighting was great. I mean, I think ours is good. Ours, his ours, his ours is, is he, he went above and beyond. It's cinema. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it when it comes to subscribing our socials. Here's the handles. Follow us. Like things. Mention things. What is it, Ryan? At inside of you pod on Twitter. At inside of you podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's correct inside of you with michael rosenbaum subscribe and write the reviews uh also the store got a new product coming soon can't tell you what it is but uh, head over to the inside of you online store grab a 15 percent off you know what for the holidays hell with it 20 percent <laughs> off oh, everything man. oh man just use the discount code inside of you 20 get it while it lasts i'm just gonna put it for a few days probably tuesday and wednesday um, but, uh, you know, we've got wine glasses and, uh, we got mugs, autograph mugs. We got, uh, shirts and hats, just a bunch of stuff. And it's really groovy. And that's pretty much where we're at here. Um, the album, uh, Rob and I are, are, are making, uh, the band is called Sunspin. It's my new band. We're at the very end of recording. We've really been busting our ass. We've been playing stage. It's thank you all the patrons out there and everybody who have supported the band. And uh, we're really stoked. I, I really think we, I think we went above and beyond. We really worked hard and uh, these feel full produced. There's great melodies, harmonies, and I just really love the album. I'm really excited about it. I don't expect to be a rock star or anything. I just want to do it because I love it. But I'm like, man, this is like, I'm proud of this shit. It's good to be proud. It's good to not think I got to be great at this. But I think it's pretty great. And it's good to have made something this year, yeah, right? Yeah, man. It's like a tough year, too. And you make an album and you do something and you feel productive. I, I think that's uh, that's really important. And thanks to Westwood One for the support. And thanks again for uh, all the love and support and extra support by my patrons. If you want to join Patreon, it's it's wonderful. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash inside or maybe inside of you. 
And uh, I, I always text you back right when you become a, a, a patron. And uh, there's lots of great things on there. To take a look. There's a bunch of tears and Zooms and whatever. There's just stuff. That's it. We got a great guest today. I've been trying to get her for a long time. And you think, Ryan, uh-huh. that the girl who played Lois Lane on Smallville would be an easy get. That would you. be an easy get. I got everybody else, but she, you know, we're friends. But um, and it's funny because we uh, we talk about it on on the pod. It, it, we weren't like we didn't work together a lot. No, but uh, you know, I try to get her on, and I think she was just, I, you know, I know you get personal, and mm-hmm. but she was fantastic. She, she got into it. She opened up and let go. She's quick witted. She's talented. She's funny. She's beautiful. She's Erica Durance. And uh, she's a wife. She's a mom. She works really hard. She's hard on herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's get inside Erica Durance. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. All right. So first of all, it wasn't easy getting in here. You, I mean, listen, I've had some big guests and you're a big guest, but like, you know, I think that, you know, it was more like you don't love doing interviews. You're not a, like you. It's not that you don't love being a team player and you do your publicity. You've always done all that, but it doesn't mean you have to like it. I don't love it. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. why I'm being really nice about it. I am. I, you know how you meet people in the business and they're in the business for what you get from it versus what you do in it. Right. I like what's happening when when we're on the set and between action and cut, like that's my favorite. Or if we have a nice conversation, but all the other stuff, which I know is necessary. And like you said, I'm a team player. I try, (laughs) but I don't like live for it. Some people really love it and they're really talented and they love to get in and do all that stuff. I'm good for them. (laughs) Do you think that it's, I mean, what's the difference between like when you're acting, right? When you're in a role, whether it's Smallville or the Arrowverse or Saving Hope or all the shit, right? All the stuff you do. I mean, the, not shit, but you know, the shit, the, sh- well, the stuff. <laughs> well, well see, we've all done shit. <laughs> yeah. The show is maybe my interpretation, but yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is when you're uh, preparing for a role and there and it's action, I mean, you know, you and I deal with some anxiety and stuff like that. We could talk about that, but like, do you get anxiety before an interview? Like before this, where you're going, oh, oh my gosh, is he going to get personal? What is he going to do? I, I definitely contemplate it. Oh, here's the thing. Um, I have many different personalities depending on what time of day you get me or whatever, right? So if I geared myself up to finally do something, usually then I put on that personality, if that makes sense. The one that's a little more extroverted, a little more comfortable doing these things. And this is different because we're friends and I'm talking to you and, like you're not, I'm not looking, I know that there's some people who are looking for some hook or whatever. Um, but this is different because it just feels like we're sitting and having a chit chat. Okay. That's good. So because I, you know, other people on the show that there's been a couple where uh, I'm not well name dropping cause they were on the show, but Jennifer Love Hugh was on the show a while back. Right. And I remember the first time she was on, she said she had an anxiety attack and she woke up in the middle of the night and she's like, Oh my God, Michael's going to ask me about my mother. Cause she had passed away years ago and I knew her. And, and so she was all worked up before the interview even started. And then, you know, then it was great. And once she started, we started talking, but you know, I wonder about that sometimes, you know, if you have a big, I, I worry, I tend to worry about everything. I tend to worry. It's, it's yeah. like, I wake up and I look at the clock and it's seven 50 and I'm like, Oh my God, 
the 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 contractor is going to be here in 30 minutes who gives a shit why am i why am i worried about that why am yeah. i uh anxiety ridden because i don't because it's in anticipation of oh i have to get up i have to get gonna knock when i start knocking the dogs i gotta take the dogs out herbs old my dog i gotta take them to poop all these things start happening like why are you i think for myself one of the reasons i do that is the less that i have um that's taking me out of myself if that makes sense if i'm like busy working all the time i don't have time really to think about that but if i'm home then everything has like it, the importance of it is just overblown. And if it doesn't get done, I feel like there's this sense of failure. Um, so I can get really upset if I, I, I made a list of stuff that I'm supposed to do at the house and I don't do it. Right. And it's inconsequential and it doesn't matter particularly, but it's, it, I'm like clinging to whether I did all the laundry that I wanted to do that day or I folded it or what, like it's, it gets pretty manic. So yeah, yep. I'm trying to find tools to, to manage that, but I'm a warrior as well. Like I project way into the future. Uh-huh. So whether it's with my kids or with career or whatever, um, one tiny little moment, like at a moment with my five-year-old who said he was too sick to go to school. And I knew he wasn't too sick to go to school, but he ended up not going to school. And I just had this full on tirade where I was like, I got in the car, I was crying and driving around like a freak because I was like he can't be weak I can't set this kid up to think that he can escape when he wants to and lie about it and he's going to be 15 and he's going to be jacking around like it was completely irrational but yet I kind of had to go with a wave of it if it makes sense yeah you were sort of projecting 25 years from now when he's an adult as they say in Canada not an adult put the right like seed in his mind right like right? you're failing right at that moment because yeah. it's gonna show yeah that's that's god bless thank god i don't have kids because i would so, really be f so that's just an example and i'm much more prone to that anxiety when it comes to them versus things for myself yeah and so i noticed after having them then my anxiety like just kind of skyrocketed but you you um, say like uh you know when you're working you don't have time to think about that stuff but isn't it when you're working too much then See, there's, there's this balance, right? So when you're not working, a t- you're working intermittently, then mm-hmm. everything seems bigger. It's like, oh, then I have to do this. And it seems like your anxiety is more. But when you're in the thick of it all, when you're working, 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 interview, uh, I could deal with that because it's oh, my anxiety is already up there. I'm already into this whole. Yes. Right? And I kind of like it. I don't know if you find that as well. I, I guess we're all contradictions, mm-hmm. walking contradictions. But I find that it's almost as if when I'm working, my brain relaxes. Does that make sense? But there's so many things to kind of, it's revving at this certain pace and that's the way it wants to, to work because I'm super, super intense. Wow. And so when I'm working, I can, I can exercise it in a way, whether it's with the dialogue or like you said, problem solving or with it, with saving hope, it was fun because I had more of a leadership role. So then I could problem solve in all sorts of areas and then I can deflect all of that away from myself and i'm not sitting there just sitting around thinking but it seems overwhelming to me like if you're constantly busy and you're constantly working and doing a series and now you have three kids and you have your husband and you have all these things to like i can't if you're talking to me while i'm watching something if i'm at the computer typing and you go hey rosenbaum what do you want to get for dinner it's like i go i go I, I can't hear anything you're saying right now. I can't hear you. Stop. Wait till this is over. I can't. I just get so distracted is what I'm saying. I get distracted and I can't imagine having children, a family, a, I mean, I have a dog sick and this and that. And so th- there's a, there's an element of that. But uh, so how do you do that? How do you, 
I don't know. It seems like busier would be worse. No, you know, I'm weird that way. I don't know if it's because I don't really want to settle. If I settle, maybe I think too much and then the mood goes from anxious to depressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that what happens? Just keep guessing. Just keep swimming. Well, you've been with, your, with David for how many? I mean, let me guess. Let me guess. I'm saying probably, I don't know, 15 years. We've been married for 15 and together for almost, well, 19 yeah really and i didn't look that up i honestly thought about smallville and like when you're thought about yeah wow 15 years now yeah. he's he's probably seen as you have him him his personality changes and things the things that just the imbalances the balance is what you're really strong at what you're weak at oh she's sensitive she's gonna freak out over this oh he's gonna be a dick now this is kind of like marriage shit right well and that's kind of what's cool about being in a relationship a long time what's what ends up happening is um depends on who you are, but sometimes you're married to somebody that is, I think you teach each other things. You either teach each other things or you self-destruct. I have this theory that we, that now you're, now we're going into theories. So good. Ready? Theory. This, I didn't want to do this. Theory thing. it up. Will you? <laughs> so I have this theory that we are coming back to earth as, you know, our own little spirits and we're supposed to be learning as we go. And we will constantly attract ourselves to certain people to learn lessons from each other. It's like a magnet. And so over the course of our relationship, we've gone from like, I have a tendency to never want to have any conflict. My husband wants conflict constantly. Like if he can find it, he'll find it. And I can, I will avoid it. So over the course of our relationship, what's interesting is I have gotten more comfortable with conflict and he's learning to let go of some things that wow. he would normally get freaked out We've about. So from we each actually other. kind of helped each other in a way. Like not that we're sitting there trying to judge each other, but it was like the the polar opposites of our personality actually helped. Wow. That makes sense. All right. Well, we're gonna but get yeah, I mean, over I, I 20 like years of blood is growing, and especially with me, I've gone, you know, I was in my early 20s and now I'm in my 40s, right? So that's a big change. Had kids. I've been a lot of different personalities for David. Have you? <laughs> hey, you know what? I got to say, that's better than being boring. Oh, <laughs> the same girl for 57 years. And she's Who saying, is she today? And it's like, Erica, yeah. I'll tell you what, I got a different girl every week. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, um, we have this joke uh, that there's a, there's a side of me that I use for work. And I, I said this on a silly magazine interview. Um, but it's my... Gemini twin call and I call her Jillian and she's the one that's more comfortable with things like this. She's much more outgoing, but she's got a bit of bite and a bit of edge. Right. <laughs> so sometimes that's fun. And sometimes <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> well, all right. well, I want to looking for. All right. Look, well, I want to get into a little bit of that, but first I want to, I want to rewind. I know you've talked about it probably, but like, you know, I, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know you were like a trained singer. I don't think I've ever heard you sing. Well, that's really a nice way of putting it. I did like, but that, I stopped training like when I was 20. Right. But that was my original goal. I wanted to be on Broadway. Um, and I just went the wrong direction. I went West instead of East. I should have gone to Toronto, but, but why can't you do a musical now? Wouldn't that be fun challenge to add to your multiple layers of Erica? <laughs> so this is another thing I do. I'll jump into projects regardless if, if something is new and kind of fun. So right now I'm doing the Christmas, um, Christmas movies. chalet. Yeah. Uh, so I did chalet last year and then I did one called Christmas stars and I got to sing in it and it was super fun. And one of the only reasons I took it is cause I got to sing. Wait a minute. And I, I did see you sing. I did see you singing something. It wasn't that. Did you sing in something else years ago? 
Smallville. That's what but I remember. Like three bars. Like it was just like three songs. Uh, I had to audition. Did you know that? I had to audition for Jeannot. You had to audition for Jeannot, the director who directed also Jaws 2 and Somewhere in Time. He directed uh, a lot of Smallville. You, you, you auditioned for what? Just to prove that I could sing. I had to sit with Jeannot and Jay Marshall. James Marshall. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. That's the worst. These guys are guys. If you're listening, James Marshall was a producer and director on Smallville. And you know, uh, I love the guy, but we got into it. If it's, it, did you ever see us get into it? I, yeah, I saw one time where, and of course my reaction to these things is always to giggle and it's not because it's a good situation, but that's how I react yeah. to stuff. I'm also so impressed when you do get into things because I'm not like that. So I find it actually quite fun. But I remember there was one time where you had, I was working with you, which I very rarely do. And we were outside mm-hmm. in, on the ice and it was fucking cold and there was a uh, rain towers. Anyways, I had just bailed and slipped on the ice and I was freezing. And then you started yelling at him and it was totally like, yay, Michael. <laughs> oh yeah. I flipped that. So I- he was like, do it again. And you were like, yeah, it was great. Well, I loved it. So you're saying I was I sticking up for you. Like, I was sticking up for you. Yeah. Yeah, you're being so great. There you go. See, sometimes you need, but to sing in front, I had, you know, sing for something once. And I remember they, uh, I think it was from Moulin Rouge. And uh, I had no, and I, I, listen, I have like, I play music and I record stuff and I love music. And I feel like you have to. your album. You have a great voice. Well, thank you. Uh, It's hard for me to look, look, here's the thing. I, if you sat with me in the recording studio, like the other night I'm in the, in the, in the box and the, and actually in Rob's closet, my friend's closet. Because we went to Capitol Records and recorded, and then we had to go and do some extra little things. And he goes, Pitchy, he'd stop and go, Pitchy, Pitchy. It's <laughs> so stressful. He, and, he, and he'd go like this. He Because he's trained. He's done his whole life. He's yeah. like, ah. And I'm like, okay, do it. Pitchy. <laughs> you're, you're not hitting the note. You're not hitting the note. I'm like, well, how do I hit the note? Smile. And I'm like, hmm. Smile. And he's like, I go, and, uh, and uh, but I, go, I look like an idiot. He goes, no one's watching you. Just smile when you're saying the fuck. And I, I like, why don't you just tell him to fix it if, it, if it's that close? Well, I just wanted to hit it. I wanted to learn, but it's, it's, you know, I remember I, when I auditioned for it and I went in there, the director's like, it's a big movie. You should go in there and do it. I go, but I, I'm not a great singer. He goes, so what? Just go in there. And I'm, and I, and I sang and I was just so nervous that it could not have been good. And I'm like, okay, great. And it, but but you were like you I said, tr- a trained singer can go in there and at least be on pitch, be on you know, be in the right key, know what they're doing, not just right. You can do that. Well, within reason, but I do say that the recording studio is its own beast, right? Like it's you think that something's and it's it's easy to go pitchy, right? Oh yeah. Um, when I was doing my thing for the Christmas stars, and as it is when you do these kind of shows where. Um, there's not a lot of time, a lot of, not a lot of money, great people to work with, but you, you're slammed. It's not like you have six months to perfect a song, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I flew in and then the very next morning we were going to hit this, hit the studio and do our, you know, few pieces that we had. And, um, I actually had to get my co-star who's a country singer. He had to sit in the thing with me after a while. Cause I all of a sudden was forced into a harmony. I didn't think I'd be doing. And then, so he was like right here trying to get me to do the right pitch as well. And I was like, oh, and it was hard even for you. It's so hard. Yeah. All right. Go back yeah. to, Junot. you're in the room with, Junot. and by the way, I love, you he won't listen to this, but he's this old little lovable French guy. Who's oh, got a little bit you. of a limp. At least he did when I there. And he's got the little cross eye, this cute cross eye that he yeah. don't know if he's looking at you or not. And he's like, 
Michael, we have to do this. Come on, you're goofing around. I don't even know what accent I'm doing. But okay, I can so ima- I love Jeanot. And I one of the things him. I loved about him is that he knows... He loves women. Like oh, we all, my God. He's not a creeper. Like, he's got it down to a science. He genuinely loves women without being a... So we were all, like, everybody was hugging Jeanne Oh, constantly. yeah. Oh, we yeah. I would flirt with him, like, when you could flirt with people. But yeah. uh, but I, I, I'd go up to Jeanneau and he'd go, good morning, Michael, or whatever his accent <laughs> was. And I'd go over and he's this little man, and I would just give him big oh. hug. He's like, okay, okay, that is good. That's enough. Let's go. And uh, oh, I just man. loved him. But, I, you know, so go when you're young, when you're working on, you know, working, when you're on a turkey farm or some shit in Calgary and you're growing up in the small town, I mean, nobody around you is thinking, I'm going to go be an actor. I'm going to go to Broadway. I'm going to do whatever it is you're going to do. First of all, were your parents like, did they ever, did they want you to do something like that? Did they want you to do entertainment or did they expect you to just be around? Always just be around. No, my mom, my mom was like the major voice in my head growing up. Dad was there, but he wasn't as, as involved. Um, and he worked really hard long. He was trucking. Like when he stopped working on the farm, he was trucking all the time. So it was me and mom that had all the conversations. And so mom was really big on the whole idea is that I'm raising you to be an independent adult, whatever you choose to do, you choose to do it and you'll deal with the consequences, whatever they are. Like, and it's kind of, kind of was great. It was freeing. So, um, she never said I couldn't do it. She supported it. I seem to love it. And so, you know, I keep, um, keep doing it and she would come and see my plays and all that kind of stuff. But I was, um, it's like, I didn't fit in my family. <laughs> like, um, my, my mom goes, I had a boy and a girl and an Erica. So like, I was the one that was now let, let me be straight about it. Like we're very close. Like I love my family, but I was kind of different. And so I don't know where the dream came from for me to want to do this stuff, whether it was just me hanging out on the farm. And I just remember sitting out there, and just dreaming big, like I was going to go somewhere and I was going to do something different. And I just wanted to see the world. And there's all these things that I were you I cliche. Did you do the cliche thing that we all do where you sit back? I could just see you. You're on the Kent farm, but you're in Calgary and your turkey farm and you're sitting on like the fence and you're looking up. At the, you just saw a shooting star and you're like, God, please, please make my dreams come true. I want to be an actress because I, you know, I'm sure I, I didn't. I just was like, please, God, get me out of this. Please help me get away, Calgon. Where the fuck are you? <laughs> no, you know what? It's true, but I would take it one step further. And I often sang like that Disney song that a dream is a wish your heart makes. And I would like walk around the, the uh, farm singing it to myself. So did you? I was a special yeah. kid. Yeah, well, um, well. Quite unique. Were you popular in high school or were you a school? Uh, what's it called? I don't think school. I was popular. Um, I found that I had a lot of contentious relationships with chicks. I got along with the guys a lot. Well, more, the fact so. that you said chicks immediately, <laughs> I had a contentious relationship with chicks. You know, think about that right there. That says it enough. I, I, I fucking chicks. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so growing up, I had like a couple of really cool girlfriends. And then I had just moments. I think when I got into my teens, it just was like weird. Because I was hanging out with all the guys, but not in a gross way. Like they were always asking me how to hang out with the other girls or date the other girls. So it's like I was their friend, but then all the girls in the class thought that I was a big fat slut that was stealing all their boyfriends. And I was like, I'm trying to set you guys up. 
So, <laughs> Did you drink? Were you a boozer in high school, or were you always like a good? We weren't allowed to booze, so like I. Came yeah, we're from... no, no one's allowed to booze. You think people are allowed to booze when they're in high school? <laughs> oh, you know, we're, we're not allowed to drink. Oh, well, that should no, stop us. But boozing to like would equal like massive amounts of sinning, kind of not boozing, right? So I grew up in a very, very conservative, oh, religious, religious farming community. I mean, you could peel the onion for a while with me. Do you, but do <laughs> you like, do you still go to church? Do you still have that influence? Are you religious? Or would you say uh, you're more like, well, I'm more agnostic. I don't really necessarily believe in atheists. I have some friends that are atheists. They're like, oh, I'm atheist. I'm like, fuck, you believe in something. Come on. That, that to me, yes. that look, I, I respect what anybody does, but atheist to me is a strong term, just like too religious is too much, but it's. I would say that I have a problem with organized religion sure. because of my experiences growing up. Doesn't mean that there weren't really great people there, but to me, my reaction to it, uh, I would never put my kids in a situation like that because um, I took verbatim everything that was said to me and I went to the extreme. So I was one of these kids that thought they were going to hell every night. Right. Yeah. See, and, that's, that's um, the bad part about it. Yeah. And I just, I don't trust organized religion because. I always wonder where where is your motivation coming from? Is it fear, power, money? You know, where did all the rules come from? And so I'm kind of in that phase of my life where I'll look back and um, do some studying as to why, say, for example, they have certain laws in, in Christianity that this is wrong or this is wrong. And then I kind of go, well, let's consider what society was like back then and why they were motivated to make that as a one of the Ten Commandments or whatever, right? right. So I'm kind of trying to dismantle that for myself a bit, but I could not live in a world where I didn't believe in something. That, that's my point. Just to have said, to, go yeah, ahead, right. go ahead and not believe in anything. That's fine for you, but I would find it super depressing to just think that I die and I'm on food. I have to believe that I will see the people I love in another life. I don't know what that's going to be. But yeah. And no one should take that away that. from you. And that's, yeah. that's the purpose to, to me, it's all about respect. If you don't believe in yeah. God, great. If you believe in God, great. I have yeah. uh, friends that are Mormons. It, they're yeah. great families. They, it works for them. They're good people. I like being around them. They're, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, in Indiana who's, who's, you know, goes to church every Sunday and, and it works for him and his family. And I'm like, that's awesome. You do what works for you. It's your life. Yeah. And for someone yeah. else to tell you what to believe in or what you shouldn't believe in or what, so that's where yeah. it gets kind of cloudy. So I always say, look, look. Yeah, that's the thing about organized religion. And that's why it's, I think it's quite dangerous. Um, if you look at kind of the, the main belief structure of like all the different religions that are around, it's mainly, you know, you're going to have to be responsible for what you do in life at some point. And let's try to love each other. Basically. I mean, that's a really loose generalization, but they come together on those couple of points. Right. And all the other stuff I think that was basically designed for whether it's power or whatever, right? Because if you go back and you study all the different religions, oh, that, now that one's bad. So now that we can conquer them and kill them all and make them mm -hmm. all this, right? So anyways, I'm getting heavy. My no, point being- No, no, no. And by the way, it's like, if you can go back- It's process. I don't know if I know really anything at this point, except for that I think people should just love each other and like- Try to do the best. Wouldn't thing. that be easy? Isn't it easy? It's so, I talk about this. It's so, there's so much more energy exerted when you're angry or mean yeah. or, you know, you have these trolls. It's just like, it's so easy to just be like, you know, because we all can judge. You know, somebody could be walking across the street and I go, what the fuck is that dude wearing? 
that is, t- and I will stop my, that is, t- that is terrible of me to judge. That is good for him. He's happy. Let him wear that. Look at me. I'm a, I wear a t-shirt and shorts half yeah. the time. Fuck me. So I try to turn it into a positive because it's like, yeah. as long as you're happy. Yeah. It's like re- retraining your mind, um, whether it's having to do with that kind of stuff or anxiety or whatever. It's like you catch yourself in that moment and go, okay, I'm projecting into the future. I can be chill. Let's live in the moment. And ironically, I think that's a little bit of the COVID that's kind of happened to everybody sure. too, with respect to people obviously not getting sick, but uh, or passing away. But the idea that we're forced kind of into all of us into a timeout where we have to slow down, you know? Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told me i got rocket money Okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, 
and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. When I picture you as this young girl singing that Disney song, hoping that the <laughs> students... Yeah, to yourself, which we I'm all do. My bike. You know, everybody has their stories. You know, Jim Carrey, I wrote myself a $10 million check and then I cashed it one day. Eh, whether that's true or not, it's a nice story. I Sound of Music to the Cows. They loved me. What was the big song in Sound of Music? Um, oh, God. The hills are alive. Oh, I got a smile. Sorry. The hills are alive with the sound of yours. Sorry. Um, all right, Smallville. I didn't really know you because, again, we didn't work a lot together. But when we did, I noticed something about you, which I've talked to you about, which was you had anxiety like I do in different ways. I tend to fake it. I have this confidence where I could turn into a confident guy. You think, God, this guy's so confident. Fucking what an asshole. Like, I'm so I'm throwing it at you. So you don't think there's any like, you know. Yeah. But I do suffer and I would suffer by, you know, always doubting myself and always like you're not good enough. And like, did the director like you? Did the other actors like you? Are you good? Are you going to keep your job? It was this constant cyclical, maniacal fucking thing that just was just pounding in my head. And so for me, I would do my thing. Now, you, I noticed you were the sweet version, but you weren't like someone that was just like, Hey, chicks, I'm about to do my scene. You know, what's up, chicks? You were, you were sort <laughs> of like, you were sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, tentative? No, what's the word? Is that the right word? Sort of like, uh, uh, what's the word? I was nervous. I would go really introverted. So Uncertain? Like, uncertain. I constantly second guess myself. I don't know where that that's came it. from, but I'm actually, I'm actually working on that, actually, at this point in my life, which is crazy to say at, you know, 42. I'm like, I'm really learning to trust myself and walk away and not constantly be going, well, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. I don't know. That, that's what I remember. You were a sort of a, apologetic. You were always like, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, it, well, here's what's baffling. If you, they would have said action and Erica Durance was terrible. Then I would have been like, well, she, she I guess that's why she's nervous. Cause she's just not very good, <laughs> but you were so good that I didn't understand why you were so uncertain on all these things, which I also looked at myself and said, Wow. Sometimes I'd watch, you know, I didn't watch all the time, but when I watched myself, I'd go, I was able to actually say, you were good, dude, you're good in this. Sometimes oh. I, well, hang on me to myself. And then yet you'd think that when I'm I got back curious. on set, I'd be confident and ready to, but it wasn't always like that. It was always, always this perpetual doubt, this sort of like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I getting anxiety again? I know I'm good. I know I can do this. And there's that feeling that you have to be good. There's more people around. There's this. And I hate that. And some therapists will say, this is what drives you. This is what makes you better. I go, I don't want to punish myself. And they say, well, then quit. I'm like, well, if I quit, then I've given up. I want to conquer my fears. I want to be able to just be, you know, like everybody. So yeah. 
back to you. I just want, that's how I felt. So how did you feel? Um, I couldn't believe I was there, right? Like I felt like I had joined a group of like the cool kids and the ones that have done all these great things in the world. And then there was me that just kind of randomly showed up on the set. You have to understand, I used to book Tom and Kristen's photo double on that show. You were, casting, you were casting director. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm in the show, I'm working on the show and it's halfway through and I know it's really popular and that sort of thing. So I just always felt um, a little bit behind and like I was off, off kilter a bit. Um, and that, yeah, like I was a big dork and didn't quite fit in. <laughs> and you could tell because I would do these weird things and people were like, that is really bizarre. Um, I didn't think you were weird at all. I just thought you were just a little nervous, which is fine. But now as you're talking, it's really dawning on me. Like I'm imagining myself, and maybe you guys out there could do this. Imagine yourself talking about casting someone in a movie and you're just, you're sitting there and you're eating chips and you're like, how about this girl? Or how about this guy? Okay, I'll cast him. That's great. And then someone goes, you know what? Why don't you play the role? <laughs> what? You're going to play, yeah. you're going to be in Smallville. What? Yeah. And it was like, I remember because I got it on a Friday and then I had to do my read with Tom. I, we've talked about this because, you know, people are always asking that question. But I didn't realize that he was really gracious about it. But I didn't realize that that was like, if he hated me, I would not have the job. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't know that. I would have been so stressed. I know, like, Tom. You haven't seen me stressed. I would have been like, I can't even speak. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Tom probably would have gone, mm, just not attracted to her. I, I, I bet. Like, think about it. Like, honestly, if you don't have chemistry with someone and they're supposed to be Lois Lane to your Clark Kent, it's not chauvinist or what's the word, whatever. To just say, to say the producers, you know what, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like the chemistry and the, what you're, or, or what like you're saying is you're not attracted to the person. Like, you know, immediately when you meet an actor, I think there are two types of actors. There are the ones that are cool like us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <the> We're so <laughs> No, cool. but you know right away when you meet a certain actor and you're like, okay, we just won't get along. We're going to be like oil and water. And that's just the way it is because we view it so differently. And so I think that that's part of, what happens when you initially meet with people. Um, and so maybe that was what ended up happening in that read or whatever. Cause I remember Beeman was there and I was so stressed out and I had to read my scene and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah. what was your first line on Smallville? Do you remember it? Or first scene? Uh, I think, Oh gosh, do you know what? It was like, I came out of the elevator all I remember is I came out of the elevator and walked down the hall. I was going to find Chloe in the hospital and it wasn't Clark. It was Nathaniel was like half naked looking the other way. And I remember Nathaniel was the stand in, right? Did, Nathaniel. Nathaniel did it with such a pose and Tom doesn't pose at all. Yeah. <laughs> so <it was> like, <laughs> Nathaniel, the stand in was, uh, so he's shirtless. He's shirtless and then a little something else on the back. I don't remember. So you saw a butt cheek, like a half crack. I think so. Okay, and and the, 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 this is the stand-in, not Tom, standing in for Tom Welling, and he's posing. When you say pose, what was he posing like? What was he was he doing a like Superman flop? Doing it as one would, I think, like, try when they're going to be naked, try to look good. But Nathaniel also was quite theatrical, so it was just quite funny because <laughs> the two different people <laughs> had have been Welling. He would have been like, "You done? I hate this," you know. <laughs> But uh, Nathaniel was enjoying it. And I remember I just walked in and I don't remember that day at all. Like I was so scared, but I know Lois said something quippy. And then the next scene we did, I remember specifically 
because it was some other time that I saw Clark naked. Isn't that great? That's how they introduced my character on the show. Good for you. And I go, I'm Lois, Lois Lane. I remember that line. Did you think that your anxiety and maybe depression really Smallville was the reason for that? Because it was so much pressure and so much stress and anxiety to come on that show that that kind of pushed it into a different direction from that. Do you blame Smallville <laughs> for your anxiety? Or did you like, honestly, because like, I, I remember I worked, I worked, I worked, I stressed, I stressed, I stressed. And then something was the, the tipping point. Something was that got me over the edge where I'm like, okay, now I have uh, anxiety that I can't really control as easy as I used to be able to. I'm older now. This has happened. I've got to take a step back. And w was it Smallville or was it something or did you always deal with it? It's always been part of my personality, but I didn't recognize it for what it was. And so it wasn't Smallville, actually. I, I got a lot from Smallville. It pushed me out of, out of um, myself, right? Um, and I learned to trust myself a little bit more. And then as I went into Saving Hope, I really was thrown into the deep water myself. Um, and, and then you really start to kind of keep your own counsel and go, it's good enough. And you kind of move on. Right. I never really believed that there was something like that, that would happen to me, that I would actually get to do the acting thing for real. Right. I was fully ready to kind of continue on as everybody else I knew went on and completely fine with it. Right. So when it came about, it just surprised me and then took me a while to get my feet under me, but I loved it so much. Um, I think my anxiety and depression came out after my second kid mm. and it was, that's where it kind of got triggered. Is that postpartum? Yeah. And I've never, well, I'm, I'm managing it much better, but the, it really, I don't know, body chemistry, what it was. But when I, when I went to have Lachlan, my five-year-old, we had to do lots of IVF. We did quite a few years of that. And so when you do that, you really play with your hormones a lot. And that can kind of, affect all sorts of things. It can affect how you look, how you feel, but it can be forever. Like then your, your hormones are out of whack for a really long time. And some of them don't really go back. Right. So if you think about all that stuff that you're pumping through you, the only thing that I can kind of liken it to, and I don't know if you've ever done this in your life and you don't have to say, but when I try to explain it to a man, I say, have you ever done take an extra testosterone to work out or have you ever done a little bit of caffeine or have you ever, and sure. it gets that kind of rager and the rager comes out. That's kind of like some of the, the hormones that I did only it lasted for like 10, 15 months. Right. Jesus. So I, now when I look back on like how busy it was, how tired I was, I was, I had two pregnancies while I was working. Um, I was trying IVF for, 10 years. Like, so I think it all just kind of went to the point. And then I had my second son and then saving hope was done then. And it was just like, everything stopped, right. I'd been working for 15, 16 years and, and then it stopped and I had nothing else to do. And then I have all these hormones and these emotions. Right. And I think that it just kind of, you know what? I love that you're so honest about that because that's so important for people to hear, not only for women to hear it, but for men to hear it because you know, I, I've said this before, and you know, it's way fucking harder to be a woman. It's so obvious the shit that you guys go through, and then having periods, and then giving birth, and then all the hormones and the shit. It's just, it's just not even on the same fucking level ever. And then and you start to get as women, we say, then you start to get okay after having your kids, and you think everything's gonna go fine, and then you go into uh, menopause, and everything gets fucked when up. When does again. menopause start? 
it depends on the person. My mom started really early. So I might be starting in my 40s somewhere. She started at 39. That's how powerful she was. She was like, I'm done. And she like set her body into menopause just by sheer willpower. (laughs) But um, it really messes with you. Like I have so many girlfriends that are a little bit older than me and they're going through it right now. And it's like, they're fucking so angry and so stressed and so depressed. And it's all these emotions that are going by the way, postpartum, I, I just never really understood it. I never, because I'm a, a guy. And then um, my friend Nate, years ago, uh, he had a baby. And um, his mom, Terry, calls me one day, you know, southern woman, lover, call her mom. She's like, hey, Mike, uh, Amy's gone. And I said, what, Terry, what? Uh, we lost Amy. And I go, what? What do you mean? Nate's wife, she overdosed on pills, took a a bottle of sleeping pills, she had postpartum. And it's such a serious thing. That was a huge wake-up call where I was like, this woman wasn't suicidal. This woman wasn't like wanting to take her life. This is, postpartum is a real thing. And she, and they, I don't know, they weren't on top of it or she was too shy or too reserved, didn't want anybody to know that she was having these feelings and these and for whatever reason, she took a bite and then didn't wake up. And it was the most hard. And I had to fly to Indiana and I stayed with Nate a week and I was on baby duty at like one, three and five to change the diapers. And I'm like, what the, f-? and just hanging out with him and, and going, this is just awful. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why I felt compelled to tell that story. But. Um, if you're okay extrapolating on that, I don't know if you want it to be like a happy or like a, like my, is this okay for the podcast? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, this is real shit, man. (laughs) Okay, so one of the things about I found about postpartum is it's like in hindsight, when you look back, you realize that wasn't quite normal. Like, I don't even think a lot of times, unless women have read about it beforehand and have support, they don't really know that they have it. They don't know. They're just living in it. So one of the major things that women that I've talked to and myself felt was when I had my children, I had a panic because I realized I wasn't going to be alone in my head ever again. There was always going to be a person there. And that freaked me out. And not only was it a person, it was a person that I felt I didn't deserve to take care of. And there's a lot of women that experience that they think if it would be actually, they really think this, because I remember thinking this clearly. And I remember thinking it was loving. It would be easier if I wasn't around than for me to be around and fuck them up. Because I was so terrified that I was going to mess them up and they were so perfect that I thought, but it's better that somebody else that's more calm and that could do this right would be around than me. And I just wanted to disappear. And it seemed like a completely logical thing. Completely logical. Like this is a loving choice that I'm making. So I'm not going to put on what, you know, what happened to that woman, but they've really like, it's not out of a selfishness. It's out of the sense of like, I can't, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to wreck you. You're perfect. I understand. Honestly, I, what, what you just said absolutely resonates. It is probably what most parents feel or mothers feel to a certain degree. I mean, certainly some are meant to be absolute mothers and want to give birth the second they can. You know, mm-hmm. and some don't, and some wait, and some are act. You know, they well. I hate to use the word accidents. They're all miracles. Little miracles. Um, but 
<laughs> the biggest fear I have in this on, a, on another level, of course, throwing it back to me, but in a way that I can understand or make you understand that I understand you is that I think part of the reason maybe I didn't, you know, I haven't become a father. I always scares me. I'm like, well, who's going to teach the kids math? I know it sounds funny. Well, who's going to really? teach the kids science? I, I, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail this kid. I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to. I'm going to ruin this kid's life. I can't do this. I it's almost like it's it's what are you doing? Yeah. Of course you could do this, but you get start imagine and now amplify that by actually being a woman who's giving birth to this child and so I can't even imagine. It's it, it is uh I absolutely understand what you're saying. That makes yeah. perfect sense where you're like I I, I can't do this. I'm going to fail this person it's so it's enormity, easier for me like to go. This, the enormity of like and that's we talked we're full, going full circle. If if you can have somebody in your life that's supporting you and with you, which is not really usual in, in our like Western culture to have like the mother and the auntie and the, this person, that person to kind of go, let's not project into the future. Let's just do today. Yeah. Like if somebody were to just said, let's just do today. Let's not project into like what they might do when they get older or how you're going to, I remember this was my intensity factor. I don't know if I've told you this, but I remember there was a time that I, I, freaked out and I yelled and Lachlan was only about like 16 months old. So not very old. And I just had a total freak out and I looked over and I'd never seen that look in his eyes. And my first thought was, Oh my God, I'm the person that taught my son to be afraid. Like that's the first thing I thought. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't be around. I'm going to wreck him. And so like, anyways, I'm again, super, super intense. Right. Right. Um, well, you know what? Isn't it easy to, I mean, think about that. I can remember, children remember, I remember, it's weird because you remember a lot of the bad things, don't you? You remember things that are like, you know, I'll say things that this happened, but if you asked my parents about it, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, this is exactly how it happened. I'm the kid. I remember it. That's how, because it's how I felt. They might not have thought that that was causing that. They thought, oh, we were just fighting. I had an axe in my hand. I wasn't going to really kill your mother. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> you know, but a little foreplay. But um, it's amazing the things. So, but then you start to think logically, and it's hard to think that way, but you're like, I am going to say things and make him think, oh my God, I'm crazy, or I'm scared, or I'm this. This is just, this is part of it. You can't be perfect in front of your son always. And it's hard to accept that because you will yeah. fuck up constantly. And if you're trying to be too safe, you're just yeah. killing yourself. By the way, you've had four hairstyles in this interview. I know. And the more and I like them like, all. It's going to go back up. I, I like them. I'm, uh, you know what? I'm, I, I wish I was casting something because I have four looks now and uh, there's no discrepancy. Can <laughs> you can't stop moving if you saw my feet. How does she look with her hair up? Uh, can, we, can, we, can you bring her back for a read? I'd like to see her hair up. Can we? Uh, yeah, I get so squirmy. No, you're great. Because um, I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be weird. Oh, you, that's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is, I love, I'm not just saying this, uh, you know, I know you were a little bit like maybe a little nervous about it, or, you know, like, ah, I don't, cause we had to sort of cancel once. Cause you're like, I don't know if I could do this because you know, it's me and it's yeah. like, and I go, yeah, ah, you know, and then I asked you again, you're like, you know what? Fine, let's do it. And by the way, you weren't, you weren't mean. You, you were, I, I got it. And I, but I, but I'm loving this is what I'm saying. Okay, good. Me too. It's fun. It is. It's. I, I'm just learning so much. I mean, I didn't think we'd talk about these things, and it's like I really think that a lot of people are going to relate to this, or they're going to 
especially the, 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 the issues that you're talking about with postpartum or anxiety, just these things, it just, I know that usually it's like therapy for me. And if it's therapy for me, therapy for me, it's probably therapy for some people out there. Um, oh, yeah. Arrowverse. When they asked you to do Arrowverse, what was that like? What was that like going on? Because how long had, had it been since you acted with Tom or were Lois Lane? I mean, I guess, well, no, because you weren't Lois Lane on Supergirl. Wait, you were. I hadn't seen Walling for like, well, since we ended. When did we end? 2011. Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So nine years. Were nine you nervous? Was it weird? Was it just weird jumping yeah. into that character? It was so cool. It was like, yeah, it was very, very comfortable and easy. And it was like, Fun. I loved it. Did you get a good response from it? I think everybody was pretty excited about it that, you know, um, I usually don't pay attention to a lot of trolls. So maybe it's a skewed (laughs) reaction. Right. right? But I know that people were really excited about it being part of the, the Arrowverse again. I am, I wish it had been a little bit longer, but then in a way it's great that it was short because then, you know, you get in, get out. Yeah. For sure. Well, what about, what about like when you did Supergirl and you played, you played her mom, right? Yeah. There's no way you look like her fucking mom. Well, I am getting a little long in the tooth as one would say, but long in the tooth. I had a kid at 10 years old. (laughs) So this will launch a whole other session of podcast, but (laughs) we can do this another time because this has been so much fun, but um, it's funny to go from like, kind of like ingenue and then they don't know what to do with you so then you just become a mom and i am a mom it's fine but like melissa's 31 (laughs) was it was it fun or was it boring or was it it was okay you know what it felt like being back on smallville but not with my buddies right like everybody was nice melissa was super cool but it it felt so strange because it was a bit like smallville all the all the sets were like that and all of the stunts were like that you know was it as fun I mean, in terms of like the set, no, was it? It wasn't really my family, right? Like right, I felt you, like Bobo was my family. It was a new they family. All have fun. Um, I just found myself, I took my earphones and stuff. Cause you know what ends up happening, right? Like if you're on the show a long time, you get to kind of choose your little space where you go sit. If you're guesting, you sit where they put the bloody chairs. <laughs> so sometimes I'd be sitting in there and then they're like trying to have, they're having their conversation. I, I'm sure they're not even registering me at all, which is fine. But I just felt like I was like in their space. Do you know what I mean? So I just like put my earphones on and read my book. Okay. I like full on retreated back into Erica. But so. you, you enjoyed it. It was just like, so what I'm gathering is this, because this makes perfect sense. So as an actor, when you come on a set and you're a guest star or you're just recurring or whatever, it is the hardest job in the world. Yes. You are like, imagine Smallville. We're established. I know sort of what I'm doing, kind of. We're all, it's a machine. And then all of a sudden, Erica Durance as Lois Lane jumps into the machine. She's on set for the first time. And as a guest or as a guest star at this point, we don't know. She walks out of the elevator and sees a naked stand in. This is her first day on fucking set. And <laughs> it's like, how do you feel comfortable? So when Erica's talking about Supergirl, it's not that she didn't like it or whatever, but she's also doesn't belong in their family. Not doesn't belong, but yeah. she's not, she's just kind of there and like, she's not part of this really. And so yeah. that is very difficult. Yeah. Was and your anxiety through the roof? No, no, not at all. I don't know why. I was just like, what else? Maybe I was still like, I just, I was only, <laughs> maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> I like that you're like less anxiety. I love when I, when I'm taking things in stride and I'm like, maybe you thought, Lois Lane, big. I got to be great. I'm nervous. Anxiety. Mom. Eh, let's just do it. Whatever. 
whatever. It's not my show. It's just like, I have like zero horses in this game. I just came in, did my couple of lines, and then I left. Okay. This is shit talking with Erica Durant, folks. Uh, your questions. This is uh, rapid fire. Okay. Oh, I'll try not to think too hard about my answer then. These are for my patrons. Uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. And Erica will love hearing these questions. Carly T loved you as Lois Lane when you took on the role. Were there any conscious decisions you made to make your Lois different from the ones that came before you? No, honestly, I didn't. Ha- I didn't compare myself to the other people. I was, I was sliding down that water slide, going, "Okay, this is my material. This is my material." And you just um, read it, memorized it, delivered it, and that's me. That's it. Oh, and I hope I used to say, "You just throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks." It was dynamic. Yeah, you were dynamic. Lisa H., on a recent online convention panel, you had mentioned that before you landed the part of Lois and Small, you actually worked for a talent agency. How was the transition? This is a good question because we talked about it. How was the transition from an administrative position to being the talent? And how fast did that happen? Uh, it was, it was weird. It was bizarre. Like I said, sometimes it would make me more nervous because I was on the set and I knew all the background and I was like, I got to perform. So if there's more background people there, I was much more uncomfortable than if it was just like a, a scene with another actor. Cause you were thinking, Oh my God, she casts us well, and she's doing yeah, it this. It felt like everybody was watching, even though they, you, you and I both know they couldn't give a shit, but <laughs> they're just like, hurry up. Um, I want lunch. Please hurry. <laughs> this guy can't deliver his fucking line. Lex loser supposed to be brilliant. The guy can't even get his lines out. Jennifer N. What is your favorite episode of Smallville with Tom Welling as Clark Kent? My favorite season. I don't have favorite episodes cause they're all the same, but I like season eight a lot. But that's also because I would in the other seasons leading up to it, I was always the the joke at the end of the scene. So I would show up at the end of a scene that I thought was about something interesting. And then I'd say something and then the scene would be over. So Nico P, who's your favorite sports team to root for? Let me guess the Calgary Flames. And uh, I like the Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. I, that's close to Calgary. That's only an hour from Calgary, right? Or no, a couple yeah. hours. All right. Dana S. With how the world has changed so much, how are you dealing with schooling with the kids? Wine, liquor, or beer? <laughs> um, edibles. Oh, pot edibles. Something mellow that just kind of... Do you feel like... Alcohol makes me really mean, Mommy. Guys, <laughs> 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 enough! When my husband would walk in and I had my vodka bottle out of the freezer and I was just drinking and he was like, oh, shit. Did you both laugh or was it like a moment? He's like, wow. Yeah. It's just a sip. I've been caught doing that. Honestly, I feel like an alcoholic, but I'm like, I don't drink really. So once I got caught drinking out of the bottle and they're like, are you serious, dude? I go, okay, I know what this looks like. This is the first time I've ever done. I just sound guilty. There's nothing to say, but it really was. I don't do that. So uh, anyway, well, see, that's what makes me a little bit more like I kind of am like a dude. Like it's just easier to drink it on a bottle than get a glass. I do that all the time. My friends are like, "Can I drink the lemonade?" Nope. How about the uh, diet coke? Nope. Because I drank out of it. I do that all the time. And I don't waterfall it either. Like it's a full on. Yep. (laughs) Shelby, is there a character you'd love to play in a movie or TV show? Is there something you'd love to do? Something with music. I love that. Vinithia, new Patreon. What is your favorite thing about life? That's a great ender. What's your favorite thing about life? Recently, I would say that there, that it's going to change. And I love that. Whether it's that it forces me to live a little more in the moment and also feel a little bit less desperate if things are rough. There's always, there's always a change. There's always a balance to the, to the negatives. 
and family. You know what I like about life? Mm. Being alive. That's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's like that, that's I know it sounds stupid, but honestly, no. No, the really fact that alive. you're, you're actually like, able sure. to talk and, and walk change. and uh, yes. hair change. Now I'm thinking again deeply. This uh, is Erica. This is real Erica. I love I've it. really been into chatting with a friend of mine. And then I look and I think my face looks really round. And then I take my hair down. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is this has been really fun. And if we ever do another podcast, because we're running out of time for your session, we can talk about something that was really tough in my life that I had to do. If we ever do another podcast, well, can you give me a hint about it? It's I, when I did the Howard Stern show. Oh wait, wait, wait! You did the Howard Stern show. Well, it was one. I ended up doing it twice, and I shouldn't have gone back. But what was it? What he was just asking you because it's Howard. He asked personal questions. Um, so the first time was kind of gross, but I got away with it. And then I did a butterfly effect too. And I got a lot of pressure from the studio and from a lot of people to go on Howard Stern. My first reaction was, and this is what I should have stuck to. No, it's not my, it's not my deal. Like my life isn't that like that. I, I don't have a tawdry existence. It's fairly basic. Um, but then they kept asking and asking in the studios, like, you got to do this. And so I said, okay, I'll go and do this. I can do this because <clears throat> last experience I had with Howard, he's a nice enough guy. Like he's smart. He knows his stuff. You just have to know what you're doing when you go in the ring with him. And I did not. And so they, they do these pre-interviews with you where they ask you something. So they gave me this line of making up these like West van parties that, that our family does, which is like, we're known for like West van is known for swinging and all that jazz and all that. West Vancouver. West Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the group and I, I don't understand why it happens, but I don't judge. Okay. Anyways, pre-interview, they said, make this shit up and then we'll segue. We'll have a little laugh and then we'll segue into talking about your show. And so I did that and then they didn't let it go. And there was no way I could get around it. It got worse and worse and worse as I was sitting there. And then, then they started making fun of my outfit and saying, I looked Amish. They're just trying to get any kind of, reaction out of me this is on the actual show yeah this is on the show like if you youtube it now a bunch of people might use so howard's interviewing you howard's interviewing me and and they're making fun of you oh yeah because they realized that it wasn't me like i was trying to play this game if if i had been like them and gone in there and and known how to like work the room and stuff they probably would have chilled but the worst experience of that and i cannot believe i didn't birth like i don't know why i didn't leave but he had two cronies that threatened they were standing there off camera and they were going to drop trow and show me their business to try to get another reaction out of me. Like it was just a nightmare. And all I could think is I've like brought so much shame to my family. And that's all I could think about was like, why did you do this? If it had just been me, I would have been like, that was really embarrassing and dumb, but I felt so embarrassed for my family because it was so tawdry and um well wait a minute but you were on his I show before i talked about it to Kristen, and that's it well you were um on the show on tower stern once before you said yeah and that was fine well it was okay it was still like kind of embarrassing and it was but, about but it was stuff. okay enough for you to come back so you felt like it wasn't going to get i felt like it was going to be like kind of like the soft footing it right and something light and joke and then talk about the movie i was supposed to get on there and talk about the movie and they wouldn't do it right they couldn't let go of this ridiculous story that they told me to make up and um and I just couldn't figure out a way to get out and 
it was over and Howard was really nice. Like he came up afterwards. He's like, are you okay? You seem like, like, I think they thought it was part of their show. Right. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got out of there and I went downstairs and I started, like, I was bawling in the room, in the, in the building below. And somebody reported that back. And then it was headlines, Erica left Howard Stern crying. And like, it's taken me, this has been well over a decade, 15, 16 years to even talk about it because it was so embarrassing. You know what? But it's good to talk about it now. And especially in this world where we're talking about our past. And it's like, you know what? I still learned something valuable from that. Like go with your gut. And if you can't do something or you don't think you should, or it's not your deal, like don't be so afraid of authority. Just say no. And I have a hard time saying no if my boss says I'm supposed to do something, right? Yeah, especially you if know? they're not like, ah, maybe you weren't prepared enough, obviously. Or, you know, and I don't, I don't think, you know, when I've listened to Howard Stern, I don't think, you know, and I, I was always a huge fan. I was always dying to get on the show. I guess I was never big enough, obviously, to be on the show. But I always used to love Howard, and he used to talk about Smallville and, you know, my oh, he brother. Was go, and he yeah, was he was, and he was great. And so I don't, I don't picture him like. I think that, like, he had no idea that you were probably. That's what you said. You were like, I don't think he didn't know that I was really upset. And so, because you could fake it pretty good. You're, you're strong enough. You're like, yeah, and then you're, you're dying inside. Like, did oh, you, it was brutal. And how long was it? How long was the interview? It felt like it was like four hours long. It was probably twenty minutes. <laughs> but oh. it was just like, oh my god. And so now I look at those things in my life and I try to say, okay, what would, what would I say in response to that? It was interesting. I was talking to Kristen about it and I still felt like it was all my fault. And Kristen's like, you know, in scenarios like that, it isn't all your fault. Like they shouldn't have been threatening to show you their penises. Like that's not okay. Isn't that amazing (laughs) how that many years ago, how many years ago was that? 10 years ago? More than that. I was like 26 maybe. 27. I mean, obviously now everything's changed. That wouldn't even, none of that would fly, you know, and Howard's always been able to get away with whatever. And he's just, you know, again, I'm not here actually to diss Howard. I knew it was his show. What I learned from looking at it now is that I just don't do something that's not true to me. Right. Right. But I don't know how many young people, men, we always talk about women specifically, but I'm sure there's a similar idea with men. Like if you look at yourself in your early twenties, were there things that you did because you were younger and you just wanted to, like, I think that's a human thing. Yeah. Sometimes I believe with women, sometimes it goes into a, a more sexualized realm or something that feels a little bit worse, maybe mm-hmm. perhaps, or more vulnerable. But I, I haven't talked to an actor yet, male or female, like doesn't look back on their twenties and go, Oh, yeah. You well. just can't, you can't like, I, I just think it's really hard unless you were a, you know, if you say, say, oh, you know, in your early 20s, you know, you were at clubs and you were, you know, hanging out with women and you were like, I'm like, look, look what you were doing. We we evolve. We change. It's not like I was yeah. killing animals in my 20s. Yeah. It's not like I, uh, oh, I, I murdered someone, but I, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> that, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, I, I love that you're so honest about this. And um, man, I, yeah, I want you. To, will you come back? Promise me you'll come back. Okay, yeah. This Let is so fun. easy, and it's like you, you're, you are so open about like. You'd be surprised. Like people come on, and they're like, yeah, I don't think they're going to talk about anything, and then people just open up. And whether they do or not, I mean, when they do, it's just they realize how many people out there, like the yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go on, but you're really uh, good at making people feel comfortable, though. Well, because I'm so uncomfortable. We're having a conversation, just the two of us. And I think that 
that takes skill to be able to do that as a host. Some don't have that. And that's where people become aware of themselves a little bit more and start censoring themselves more, I think. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I think in the beginning, I was always trying to like, I just want them to be here. I just want to be. And now I feel like I do forget that I'm doing, I I feel like I'm just talking to you a lot of time until I look at Ryan wearing a fucking mask across from me. And I'm like, oh, there's Ryan. We're in a fucking podcast room. This isn't real. This is all. Are you in your cool uh, studio with all your fun? It's just a little. It's a little bedroom that I made into a podcast room. That little couch and little posters everywhere, and um, you know all that stuff. My office is like that. I have all my old, like I have a couple of cool old Smallville posters, which I got everybody to sign. And then remember, we were at that convention, and we took a a group photo. Yep. I. Framed that with a bunch of other stuff, and it looks really cool because there's our old photo, like the poster where everybody's like thinking they're so sexy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then there's us at the. It's cool. You know, I like the, it. I will say this in closing: um, that all those shots where I had to pose with Tom and Kristen, and those were the hardest days because you're around two natural beauties, and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating. I am around two tens, and I'm if you add personality. like charisma maybe to my looks i'm up to maybe a seven if you add the you know but but they're tens i could be a six or well dax always says he goes yeah you and i are like uh we're solid eights because we're uh you know we're what do you say our looks are a six and our personalities are a ten so we're a solid eight dude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, what I'm trying to say, it was, those were the hardest shots to be sexy. It's like, how can I be sexy around them? I guess I just have to hope that a picture comes out that, um, but those were like, I was like, fuck, I guess I'll do my best. I'm not supposed to be that hot anyway. I think that's part of getting on the show for me as well. I was just like with the two of those people. <laughs> Come on. No, <laughs> you. No, but there's a difference. There's a huge difference. I would beg to differ like about. I think that there's Kristen and Tom and they look like they came out of a drawing. All right. So we're, you know what? This is, by the way, we're saving this because this is the next time we talk. We're going to start with this. Okay. Okay. I should stop talking then. No, we're going to start oh, with this. Okay. We are. Gonna, I want to start with this conversation because people are going to be like, oh, I want to hear more about that because I want to talk about how it is, how hard it is working with beautiful yeah. people. All right. Listen, I love you and we're doing this again and uh, this will all be edited. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Oh, I love you. I loved it. I love the stuff about Howard Stern. Yeah. I love the stuff. I love her opening up. She's uh, she's a really good person. You can tell she's got a big heart. And uh, these Canadians, man, these Canadians, they're all like, you just, I'm so jealous of these Canadians. You got a lot of good Canadians. These in Canucks. Life. These Canucks. You know what a Canuck is? I do. Canadian. Vancouver Canuck. That's right. The Vancouver Canucks are yeah. Canadians. Mm-hmm. I mean, Canuck is another word for it. So thank you, Erica, for coming on the podcast. Hope, hopefully you enjoyed that. We got some great guests, a great guest coming up too uh before the end of the year and the new year we've got some really great guests as well so we'll be announcing those but um i hope you guys are going to join us next year and uh, all the fun things we have lined up and uh remember stage it's we are doing stage it's the last saturday of every month live music songs with me and my buddy rob our band sunspin and uh follow me on stage it Go to stageit.com and type in Michael Rosenbaum. Follow me and I'll let you know when we're having a show. And also on the socials, you'll know. But again, um, please write a review. Please rate the show. Uh, Go to Apple Podcasts or whatever and uh, subscribe. All right. uh, Here's the patron shout out again. Thank you to all the patrons. If you want to join, it's a great thing. 
And I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, there's certain tiers. Uh, you get merch boxes every three months. With uh, I write special notes, and um, some tiers get to ask shit talking questions to the guests. And then there's inside of me where you ask me questions, and I do these funny things where I dress up as other characters, and a lot of other great stuff. And um, also, when I eventually get this camp thing going, Camp Rosie, I'm asking my patrons first. They get first dibs on camp. I'm going to do a, a, like a big fun camp. I've talked about it and I, you know, so there you have it. Uh, here we go. Nancy D. Does that ring a bell? Uh-huh. Okay. Leah S. Trisha F. Sarah V. Little Lisa. You Kiko. Jill E. Brian H. Uh, Lauren G. Nico P. And Zachary. Robin S. Jerry W. Emily K. Robert I. Jason W. Stephen J. Kristen K. Not to be confused with Kristen Crook. Correct. Amelia. O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj C, Joshua D. We got Emily S, CJP. We got Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Jennifer S, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tab of the 272, not to be confused with. Tab of the 273. Ashley, Ryan, Kimberly E, Crystal H, Mike E, Marissa N, Jack S, that's Slater. Oh. Ramira, Beth B. Oh. Sassy Beth B, Sassy Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Roshan R, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Tiffany I, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Margie M, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N. I want to say Belinda Narlisle so you can remember her name. Belinda Carlisle, Belinda Narlisle. Will that help you? Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Anusha W. Osborne, Osborne, H, Osborne, Yabby M, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider Man, Chase, correct, Sheila G, yep, Ray H, Alyssa C, Tabitha T, Misha H, Dev A, Tom and Natalie six twenty two, not to be confused with Natalie six two three, Allie B, not to be confused with Allie G, correct, Suzanne B, Henry S, Katie F, Daniela V. Liliana A, Joseph C, Michelle K, Maddie Wags, Marcus W, Marcus. Some new people. Fun. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for uh, supporting the podcast. I hope you're enjoying Patreon. Patreon. And all my patrons, just when we got newcomers, make them feel welcome. Make them feel, can't wait to have that party too. I'm going to have a patron party someday. And we just got to wait. Obviously, now is not the right time. You don't say. No, it's not the right time. Uh, by the way, happy holidays to everybody. Happy Hanukkah. If you're a Jew, if you're not, happy whatever. Uh, I have a Christmas tree. It's not as big this year because I'm alone for the most part. I got my dogs. Got some joy in the house. Yeah. There's Great. some joy. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Got your menorah out too. Did you see the menorah? I did, yeah. <laughs> I haven't lit in a menorah. Litten? Litten? I haven't lit in a, <laughs> I haven't lit in a menorah. For about, oh, say 12 years. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I, I lit one and uh, I said the prayer. I had to look it up and I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to try and do a nice thing. And I'm not religious, but, you know, it's like, hey, you know, just saying a prayer and, you know, saying thanks, Lord. Yeah. Thanks if you believe in God, if you don't. But, you know, I love all of you and I hope you had fun today and I hope you enjoyed Erica because I sure did. And uh, make sure you follow us and all that stuff. And uh, thank you all to my patrons again and all the listeners out there. And uh, come back, will you? Thanks uh, to my buddy Ryan here. Yep. Thanks to Bryce. Thanks to Westwood One. Thanks to, uh, that's it. Thanks to all of you. Thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you. Uh, From Ryan and myself here in the uh, podcast room in my house, we love you. Play some Christmas music, Ryan. 
Is there any free Christmas music? Is there? What, one of them's got to be public domain. I'll find it. Oh, this one. Oh, uh, yeah, this one. This is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Or just like, oh, holy night. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.